Welcome to the Countdown Podcast. We're going to review The Killer for you. My name's Wayne. Or more precisely, Wayne is going to review The Killer for you. And my name is Paul because I didn't get a chance to get out to see this brand new American action thriller film, which is about to drop to Netflix by the time you hear this three or four days afterwards. It was released limited fashions for two weeks around the world in various cinemas and in our little city of Perth. Was it like three There's cinemas? like three fucking only. cinemas and like one session a day kind of shit. Yeah. I had to see it at 11.30 on a Saturday, everyone. So Paul definitely couldn't get to I it. I couldn't get to like it. He has a life. so <laughs> Family and the rest of it. So I just couldn't couldn't make the time there. So we thought, you know what? It's pretty hard. You might be aware of this. There's an actor strike which is ongoing. The writer strike is resolved. Hooray. Yep. But the other important element of films generally and TV is is people to act. And that's not been resolved, and there doesn't look like any time soon it's going to be. Any promo stuff and things like that. Exactly. So So they've pushed back things like June Part Two, Spider Man Across Beyond the Spider Verse is gone, even gone completely from the schedule. So things are shuffling, moving further and further back. It's it's changing the landscape, and yet somehow the studios continue to bang their drum of we're we're hard done by. Mm. (laughs) Good luck in convincing anyone of that. So Netflix have proceeded to release this film, nevertheless, or will do, and it's. Directed, of course, by the legendary David Fincher, one of Wayne's absolute favourite directors. Pretty, pretty much my favourite. And written by Andrew Kevin Walker, the guy who wrote Seven. So it's these two reuniting to work together. If I had together. known that. Really? I didn't know mm. that. Okay, wow. It's based on, I believe, a graphic novel called The Killer by Alexis Mats Nolent and Luke Jacobon. Okay. Do. Apart from Fassbender in the starring, in the title role, I should say, stars Arliss Howard, Charles Parnell, Carrie O'Malley, Sala Baker, Sophie Charlton, and Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. The music, not surprisingly, by Trent Reznor and Atticus Rose, who Ross, I should say, who have frequently worked really? with David Fincher. It's 118 minutes long, and obviously with what we've just described, the box office is almost irrelevant. There's nowhere on the budget because it's a Netflix film, but only 150,000 has it taken around the world, of which Wayne has contributed a good proportion of that, yeah, typically so speaking. Good, like 30 clams or so. Yeah. So, All right, Wayne. What is The Killer about? Okay, so The Killer is... First of all, I knew none of that shit before going in. Hence my ooing and eyeing as Paul was talking. Um, <laughs> well, you like to go in cold. Yes, and literally I did see a trailer for this, but then I promptly forgot it on account of all the ADHD. Now, so I walked in very, very cold into this. All I knew was, it's David Fincher, so let's go. Now, The I Killer... you were very impressed by the trailer when I showed I it was, to I was, I was. And in fact, The Killer itself is about a cold-blooded, dead-eyed, methodical hitman, played, of course, by Michael Fassbender who spends a good third of the film voiceovering about the ideology of becoming a hitman. Yes. Well, one Nicholas Haskins is going to fucking hate this movie. (laughs) Okay, so he... Well, that's what... uh, And and what happens is, in the movie, his... Shall we say his professional life collapses after an event, not to spoil anything, Mm -hmm. during one of his jobs, and it forces him to hunt down various individuals and kill them. Okay. Now, Now, we should say at this point... I am keen to see this movie. Yes, I really so I will not be dropping spoilers. So there will be no spoilers in this episode whatsoever. It will be spoiler-free, probably fairly short review as a result of that. Uh, a little bonus thing on the end about me whinging about audacity if you're at all interested in that. <laughs> now, this one only has professional critical responses so far. On Rotten Tomatoes, this one has 89% of 159 critics' reviews are positive with an average score of 7.5 out of 10. And on Metacritic, slightly lower but not that much lower. 74 out of 100 based on 47 critics. Paul, I'm about to do you a favor. Ooh. I'm about to make you love this film. Really? Because I'm going to shit on it. Oh, damn. All right. Here's this what is I'm... two weeks in a row, ladies and gentlemen. I know, but listen what? up now. It is Bizarro World. Things have gone topsy-turvy <laughs> and upside down. Wayne hates movies. Paul loves them. What is going on? Well, okay. Here's what it is, right? Now, expectations are a bitch, as we often say on this show. Right? Mm-hmm. And when you put a David Fincher film in front of me, I'm expecting Gone Girl at the very least. 
All right, I'm expecting Fight Club at the very most. Actually, no, wait, what else has he done? He did... Um, seven. Seven. Any of that shit, uh, Alien right? 3. <laughs> okay, maybe Shout Alien 3 Brad. Most. Yeah, <laughs> but like, okay. So here's what happens in this show. No, sorry. Here is the problem with this show. Show. Twice. Film. Whatever. <laughs> show, it's still a show. <laughs> now, as I say, this is a very wordy, slow burn. Ooh. And I mean slow burn, okay? Slower than killers, flowers of killer moon burn? Well, I think that's slow burn. <laughs> Stay in the real world. Uh, it's literally the first act is him extolling to you how it is to be a hitman. Saying things like... If uh, you know, if if boredom is something you can't handle, this is not the career for you. Things like that, Ooh. which would be like—is there some kind of meta? Oh, going on here I believe so. Where right? Finch is trying to lull you into the same sense of mind of being <sighs> bored as a, as a hit person. Yeah, because mm. part of it is—and look, I get this. All right, I get that there is value in in having a movie with sort of a some would say a charitably a hypnotic tone, like yeah. Drive. All right. Sure. Yeah, I, I love Drive. Right, so that is even though I showed it in the past and came back or whatever. Yeah, that's you, a, that's you, an you example. Came around on a bit. Yeah, you're not five star, yeah. but I think you got up to three stars. Yeah, yeah, that. it is. It is a better show than I initially saw. And I will say this to you, ladies and gentlemen. I believe you know that. Have you heard that term? Um, you never stand in the same river twice, which means that um, I haven't. But I get what it's what means. it means yeah. is. Yeah, you, the river has changed, but you know the man has changed as well. So I actually think that every time you watch a movie, no matter how t- how many times you watch it, you also never watch the same movie twice because it might be the same movie, but you're not the same man. You know yeah, okay. Mean? So. Having said that, I could easily watch this again and maybe think better of it. But at this current instant, in, uh, well, you can only go on what you what you've seen. And, exactly. Yeah. So what happens is him talking is no problem at all. I don't mind the voiceover, but it goes for a while. Mm. Okay, and because the the tone of the scene is literally him waiting, you as an audience member are waiting. Now the problem is you don't actually get to know this hitman. He doesn't have a name. Ooh. Right? Okay. So. You, as a wardens member, you're kept at arm's length of him, and you don't know really what drives him, and you don't know his history. You only get snippets of what's happening in his life, and just enough for you to understand what he does next. Literally, this movie is Hitman, something happens, then he goes someplace and kills someone, then he goes someplace and kills someone, then he goes someplace and kills someone, and... The only interesting aspect of this is you're watching his professionalism and you're watching him. He does have a few rules, which he tells you over and over, right? <laughs> which makes me feel just flashback to Revolver. Was, like the, oh, Revolver. Okay, I thought you were going to flashback to The Professional. Well, The Professional doesn't no women, fucking tell no you. No women, no children. That's all he says, yeah. though. This guy's got, like, fucking rules about how he thinks and shit, which, is, which would be interesting. You get closer. The, if, be, the better professional you are, the closer you get to your mark. Yeah, and that, but that was... The Pressure is one of the best movies I've ever seen. So that's just... We can't even go there on this ooh, one, right? Ooh, damn. Um, this one, I think the message is that no one is safe from the mundanity of life, right? And I believe that is what is actually going on here, and that's why it's done like this. But I will tell you this. I don't understand why David Fincher made this movie. Mm. Because everything he's done, Gone Girl, this, that, David Fincher's known for taking a million takes and like getting everything perfect and doing things that fool you, the audience, into thinking certain things. For example, in Gone Girl, he does a shot of Rosamund Pike where she's looking up and the camera while she's lying down. Later on in the movie, he replicates that shot with someone else. And you as an audience member, you're like, this is an oddly familiar shot, but I don't know why I feel that way. That's a genius, Paul. Genius artists do shit like that, right? Can I interject to, to ask, do you remember his most recent film before The Killer? What was it? No. Mank. Oh, fuck. Right. He's the Palmer. Oh, oh, there it is. Okay, I don't know. I You've don't know. heard it here first. Was it Mank? Was it that long ago? Yeah, Mank. What, three years back? Yeah, Somewhere in that, in that's that, that last era. Film I did. That was his last film. And I think before that, he did Mindhunters, the TV show, which I only watched the first episode or two of. And is that the Al Pacino one? No, no. It's about uh, FBI 
serial killer profiler. Oh, okay. I never saw that one. And it's a, like I said, it's a couple of seasons long. Was it good? I was kind of enjoying it. It is a little slow and methodical, but for whatever reason, we just fell off it, the wife and I. So mm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be adverse to going back to it. It wasn't bad, but I think David Fincher might have a deal with Netflix. Can't ask our old pals of Netflix and Swill anymore because they don't do that show anymore. So, mm. yeah, so I think he's, he's kind of in bed with them. For how long, I'm not sure. Oh, look, I see why a director would do this. And maybe that's why he, he ended up with this project. Well, this is a formulaic show. Like, I could kind of just almost guess how it went right. all the way well, through, right? Well, you can guess. Yeah, and I'm not the Man problematic Man who turns like off his brain as, as Exactly. As I'm can. sitting there going, well, I guess this happens. I'll tell you this. The very opening, like the first 10 seconds opening credits were really cool. And, I, I, and I'll just tell you that. <laughs> that. That was like, oh, this is cool. This is You're interesting. mocking me, aren't you? It's really fast cutting. And it's like, oh, what's so that? So the 118-minute film, Wayne recommends the first 10 seconds. No, I, <laughs> initially, I recommend the first 10 seconds. Like, literally, if you're watching it on Netflix, watch that bit. And don't skip. You, don't skip. No, through, don't skip it. Right? Don't skip it. Right. It's nothing that uh, remarkable, but I remember being very excited when I looked at it. I'm like, oh, what an interesting kind of like graphical interface, kind of of, of how to make this opening. Okay. It then went on to be boring, right? Yeah. So I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. There is a scene with Tilda Swinton, which is the highlight of the film, and that is all I will say. Okay. But it is kind of uh, essentially meaningless. Like the movie is meaningless because it's just a dude, and he's doing a job and then he's doing another job all yours you're privy to his professionalism and how it works out there is one particularly really tense violent scene in a sea of nothing so <laughs> do you know, in a sea of like very, <laughs> That's some words today well, holy not a sea, not shit a sea of nothing a sea of like very sort of dour kind of like okay you're slogging along oh so when the, i know what he's doing he's giving you like a baseline that's very low and then when the high is there when the spike happens it seems like a bigger spike i get it i get it but don't watch it at the movies Okay. By the time you see this, it'll be too late anyway. Yeah, I think it's probably going to disappear. I kind of don't really recommend it on Netflix either. I don't. I don't really wow, think. Yeah, that, because that bad. This is a fail for you. It's a fail because. Um, well, you just explained because it's boring as batshit. It's mundane and, and there's nothing really to elevate it. Yeah, but like, see, Paul, now you're going to love it. You're going to go, oh, this isn't so bad. It's we really will. We will find out. Well, let me tell you this though, right? There are these signature. You still can't get away from the fact that he's a quality shooter, okay? Because like there are scenes where he's talking with someone and you can tell if you look at the background, like it's in a bar, the person he's talking to, all of the light in the bar is behind that person and on his side, there's a very dark end of the bar. So you can, it's like things like okay. that. You're like, oh, okay, he's telling you things like that. So I'm not saying it's low quality. I'm saying I don't understand why you bothered. This wasn't actually interesting. It was meh. It was meh. So maybe if it passes, it's because of its quality. But it's really nothing to write home about. And the one thing about the cinema is the sound design is quite good. That's the only reason we would see it in the cinema. But not enough for you to go rushing out doing this. Again, not that you can do it now. But yeah, formulaic, by the numbers, and kind of almost uneventful. Wow. So I don't really know why he did this, Paul. So full props then to the people who cut the trailer together because it, I'm not saying it looks like it's a John Wick Dude, the trailer looks great. I shat my pants when I saw the trailer, which is why I all the shit went back in my ass when I saw this movie. <laughs> because I was just... Which Wayne's going to tell you was an uncomfortable experience. <laughs> it's not for everyone. So um, <laughs> uh, this is it. Like uh, The sets... This is the thing as well. Because it goes all over the world, that's kind of interesting. But even those sets are quite contained. Like, it's all in a house, in a bar, in a thing, like kind of thing. And again, I think the big problem with the show is you don't really get to know the killer. Yeah, okay. So you don't understand and you don't really care. You don't You're just throw watching. Him with him, you don't, yeah. Yeah, so that's, I expect more from my boy Dave. I hope the next thing you do is some so, somehow gone girlier. Because otherwise, we'll officially have to brand him as having department. Look, I don't know what the number of movies it is before it happens, because Guy Ritchie three. almost got there. He like, I reckon three bad films in a row without any redemption. 
That's De Palmering. If you're See, once great. Yeah, because the problem with De Palmer, he's actually incapable of a good movie now. Yeah. Like, I've, no, I've not seen a good one since, I don't know, Carlito's Way. Now, we're talking around this because our long-term listeners will know, but De Palmering is a, co- is a term that we coined. Yes. Where once great Brian De Palmer, the man who directed some absolutely Untouchables, fucking Mission Impossible, fucking Carlito's, Carlito's Way, Way. all these all the amazing sort of psychosexual films. thrillers of the early oh, yeah. 80s. Dress to, Dress to Kill. Kill and, yeah, things and like that. And Blowout. Did yeah, yeah. yeah he fucking did. amazing. So he's got a, he had a great career, great career trajectory, and then... Snake Eyes came along and, and things yes. started to fall away and it went only downhill. Even Snake Eyes had some, it's just that it was like, what the fuck was that? But it was looked yeah, good. Had, right? had a couple of great overheads and then Black Dahlia and and, he, and then he was just down to doing straights to the video thrillers, which are fucking terrible. Absolutely, which is why everyone's like, oh my god, I can't believe Quentin Tarantino's only got one movie back in him. But you know what? He knows what he's doing. Yeah, you got to respect that. That he's going to, I'm going to leave before I sully my own. Exactly. And going he, on top, basically. And, and he said that. He said these directors, these great directors, they actually turned to shit after a while. So um, that's what, who knows? I don't know. But David Fincher's too young for this man. How old is he? He's, got, he's at least, what, my age? No, he's, he's 60. Really? Uh, to, it was, it was, yeah, 61. 61, okay. So there you go. Well, look, I, still, I hope I'm still vibrant enough to be uh, valued at 61. But uh, Well, he's obviously no George Miller, at least in that regard. But, <sighs> yeah, that's too bad. Fi- well, Mank wasn't a bad film, but it's just really boring. Well, this is it. Like, I understand that when you become a certain age, you turn towards making films for yourself. Yeah, I mean, like, how, how many are George Miller accepted? How many 75-year-old action directors are there? Like, none. All right, so that's why... Fuck, there's hardly any 75-year-old directors, bro. So, but yeah, this is... I, I guess what you're watching is... I hate it when art is not for the person who's viewing it. I even I don't create art just for me. Well, it's not true. But like it's it's I still try and get people like interested in some aspect of it, and that's what is missing here. He's just going, here's a movie. That's it. Well, to quote my co-host from uh, Side Project mm. slash this podcast, which yes. is finished by the time this ah, drops. Ah, congratulations. Thank you. The epilogue last episode has dropped. Megan from Spoiler Piece Theatre, Megan Curtains. She said the moment art gets put out into the world, it stops being the artist. It is on the viewer, the audience. It's their interpretation now. And you can't tell anyone's interpretation that it's wrong. I agree 100%. However, your control is happens before it drops, yeah, yeah. right? And if you don't put effort in there, it doesn't come out the other end. So, so I guess what we could say then is David Fincher and Netflix made this film not for you. And quite probably, I'd be very surprised if I liked this film based on what you're saying. Mm. And probably not for me and, and the type of cinema films that we are chasing to watch. Then who's it for, Paul? It's a business. Apparently, it's a critics. That's 89% positive. Well, I couldn't think of anything more detestable wow. than making a movie for critics. Uh, That's yeah, selling well, out to the I mean, high No, degree. I hear what you're saying there. I, I, you know? Yeah. So, anyway. All right. So, and the uh, fact that they dropped this into cinemas for two weeks means that Netflix thinks this have a shot at awards. Well, what is that? What is that? Two weeks? Why would you do that at all? Because that's the oh, only way you can qualify for Academy Awards. Oh, no. You know what? I actually I would not be surprised if someone picked this up for an Academy because it was one of those critical darlings. One thing you didn't say, which I want to draw attention to before you do wrap this one up and Please. get your score, is how Fassbender was in the film. Uh, here's another person. We don't have a term for actors who have gone to shit, but it's been a long time since Michael Fassbender has been in a good film and he turned in a good performance, in my opinion. I actually think his performance is good. Because the, the, the assignment is, be this cold, dead-eyed, methodical killer. Have no personality, essentially. Have only action and reaction. Okay. And that's exactly what he does. However, that is not very interesting to watch. Yeah, okay. So I believe he's doing his job. I just don't believe the job is very good. All right, then. So. Wayne, here it is. The moment of truth. Last week, you infamously gave Killers of the Flower Moon less than 40. I think it was 37, 38, yeah, somewhere around that, that range. Yeah. To the... Shock horror, not just to myself, but of our entire listening audience. Mm. What is the killer getting from you? Is it better or worse than Killers of the Flower Moon? Take us away. 
It's better because it's uh, it's not eight hours long, <laughs> um, but not by much. It's a forty-eight. Ooh, forty-eight. Is I just this, is this the worst David Fincher uh, film? Is it worse than Mank? I probably I will I will tell you this. I watched it with a lady friend. Yep. And whenever someone is with me watching a film, I have this kind of <laughs> parasympathetic kind of thing where I'm like, okay. if I believe they're bored, I start to get worried. You're considerate. Yeah, I become very like stressed. Yeah, and so like I'm like, oh god, this is a turkey, and I took her to see, it. you know. So that might have contributed a bit. But here's the thing: I probably liked it more than Mank because Mank was black and white and boring. <laughs> so. <laughs> I hate to be that guy, everyone, but I clearly am that guy. Allow me, audience. You are a sad, <laughs> strange little man, and you have my pity. You know what? I don't remember a thing about Manx, so it's really not a thing about... like. It was very pretty. Yeah? Mm. Oh, yep. <sighs> Look, Gary Oldman. It probably was a way, way better film than this, but this one was, was shorter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly, uh, you know, um, highbrow... Uh, reviews that you get here from me at least uh, so this is a whole 88 minutes shorter than Kills of Flower Moon and therefore it is about 10 points better in Wayne's book that's his yeah. review of The Killer if you did get out to the cinema and see it let us know what you thought do you agree <laughs> do you disagree and you can do so via email thegowntownpodcast at gmail.com on Twitter sorry X at the Countdown PC. you can write in our Facebook listening community if you remember there and just tell us how much we got it right or wrong and uh, like and follow the show on Podbean if you still want to listen to us after some of the most controversial reviews in the history <laughs> of the show the last Please two Please tell weeks. us what you think and how I'm wrong because I actually am genuinely interested. Or, or do you agree? 100% because we want to hear that too. We don't yeah, want just people I want... flaming us for no reason. Well, exactly. for, for a good reason. <laughs> well, trust me, it does happen. But um, the, yeah, I mean, because I, I'm actually interested in from you folks who I am closer to than a bunch of fucking critics. Tell me why I may be right or wrong because I don't know why this is getting good props. I suspect it's because it's a bunch of critics who are scared to say shit about David Fincher. Mm. Clearly, I'm not one of them. So, there you go. All right. That's <laughs> it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been the soundboard. I bet you're the kind of guy that would fuck a person in the ass and not even have the goddamn common courtesy to give him a reach around. I always give Wayne a reach around. on David Fincher. I always give a reach around. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> David Fincher does not. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Say, mm. fucking audacity dropped a update during the week. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, 3.4.0, click install. A primary way that I edit the podcast or any podcast I work on is to find a nice bit of silence and copy that. And then I paste it over any bit where you say something inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Or a particularly loud snort breath, whatever, yeah. something that is obtrusively gets in the way, I think, of and the ums where I can and the ahs where I can. And mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So it's, I'm just using this one little bit of safe audio yeah. and paste, you know, paste over the top of the track, or at least it did up until Audacity 3.4.0, <laughs> where now you paste that, that little bit of, call it, dead audio over the top of a mistake, an error, whatever, and it splits the track uh, into three. Why? So the pre-bit before that edit... The edit itself and the pre-bit and the so bit after. So now you would, what, cut it and join it up or what? Yeah. So I'd have to jo- now I'd have to go through the step of joining that every single time. It would literally double the time of my edits. Are you kidding? And I'm like, fuck you, Audacity. So I went looking online because it was brand new. Can no you one, revert? No one had posted about it. I want to say, uh, you know, in case we do post this as a, as a bit at some point, Drew from the Real Feels podcast said, oh, I'm in an Audacity group on 
Facebook where they often answer these kinds of questions. We added me to it, but by that stage, I already spat the dummy and I'd deleted Audacity and gone back to 3.3 yep. 3 point, whatever it was, yep. where it works fine. Mm. Changed nothing. All my settings are still there from when I went to 3.4.0. Or so somehow it's memory somewhere in the file. But this is this fundamental change. Why would you make a change like that and fuck everything up? Does anyone talk about it? Well, on this group, someone went, oh, it's this, 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 this. Didn't work. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. That is a very fundamental change to your workflow if you have to have that happen all of a sudden. It's like, fuck off. This is stupid. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my whinge. Just get that on the record somewhere. Shit you, Audacity. How dare you give us a free tool that you fuck up? Yeah, that's right. It's a free tool. Stop (laughs) fucking with it. (laughs) That's right. Just leave it. It works. (laughs) 